Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Let's Talk About It. This is Susan Johnson, and I have some amazing, wonderful, special guests today. And I am just so thrilled because we have Governor Lamont here with us and Mayor DeVivo. And we're going to talk about his visit where he came to Wyndham to talk about some of the things that are going on with the minimum wage. And we're very, very thrilled that he's here, and he really uh, appreciates our community and all the things that we're doing. So welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Hey, Susan, great being back. Mayor DeVivo, town's looking pretty good. It is. Thank you. leadership. Thank Um, you. It has a lot to do with leadership on the state level, too, with Susan and you and Lieutenant Governor. Yeah. And May, of course. Of course, May, and it may may be along. But I am very pleased also to have Mayor DeVivo here with us. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that I've been saying all along since we've had uh, wonderful people here on the local level working together on the state level and with the executive branch. We have people who listen to us, and that is so important, people who work together. And I can see the difference in our town because we're all working together so well. And so I just can't thank you enough, Governor Lamont, for being here. And tell us a little bit about why you were here and the increase of the minimum wage and how that's going to help the families and the businesses. Well, I'll tell you that uh, Susan Johnson and May Flexer and your delegation really helped take the lead on this. And uh, when Susan Beiswitz and I came in the office, the minimum wage was uh, just a little bit over $10. And today we announced that it's going to go from $15 to $15.69 on January 1st. And uh, this is not a cheap state. It's expensive to live here. And especially for our working families, we can make that a little bit easier for them. That's important. On top of raising the minimum wage, which will save you about an extra $25 a week, that helps. Um, again, Susan took a lead as we uh, increased the earned income tax credit. That means you're taking a job, uh, you're earning a, a, you know, a working family's a wage, and we're going to get you an extra $50 a month if you apply for the earned income tax credit that goes right on you, to your, against your paycheck. You know, Governor, that is so important. The last time I checked the data on that, uh, this town, uh, people were applied, and we got $4 million back to the people in this town. And that, of course, goes to the businesses. It helps people pay for their child care. It helps people get a car repair. It helps people buy more nutritious food. So we are very, very appreciative of that change in the earned income tax credit. And it helps people stay in their in their housing uh, when the rents go up, right, Mayor? It really does. You know, that... It sounds like a small amount of money, but 20, it's $27 a week more that they'll earn. But that's a hundred over $100 a month. It helps people who are on the fringes be able to stay where they live. Deal with showing for work. I, I also come from the business world, as the governor does. And having employees that make enough money, they can show for work on time because their car starts or they – you know, they're not thrown off because they had a flat tire, so they can't come to work for like a week because they can't figure out how to get that get the tire fixed. They just don't have the money. So those things really do help. The small the small amounts of increases, and uh, I'm I'm really happy to see it. And the four million dollars is spent locally, Susan. I mean, people go to the, go to Cumberland Farms in the morning. They're they're spending that money every every day, and those are the things that help our community. So take that job. You're going to be earning a little bit more yes. if you're eligible for the earned income tax credit. That's an extra $50 a week. If uh, you're more middle class, you know, we've got a 10% tax cut that kicks in on January 1st. That should save you about a $25, $50 a week. Little ways we're trying to make life more affordable. Can I tell you how much I love Willimantic? This yes, is such please. a Thank cool you. city. I mean, I <laughs> wow. love it. I love the boombox parade. I love Willie Brew. There's more positive energy here. 
Everybody's got a smile on their face. Well, I we, love coming here every time it's like can. Well, thank you. We try and keep that positive vibe up. You know, that's one thing about romantic will the manic. You know, we have a, it's so much vibrancy here. And uh, I think a lot of this to do with UConn, the proximity to UConn and, and the Eastern students and the Connecticut State College system, how much we have so many young people here that were always vibrant and, uh, and active. Exactly. And we're very thrilled, too, to have our community college back on Main Street. That is a fabulous thing, and it's going to mean more of our students are going to be able to attend community college and get those certifications and get those uh, degrees that they could get and then go and get jobs that are going to be uh, needed. Because we have how many, Governor? How many open jobs? We, do have, we have about 95,000 yeah. jobs, a lot of them in this region. It's debt-free community college. So Thank you. talk to yeah. Susan. We'll make sure you're at the front of the line. You know, I can get that, uh, get that education and get that job and then keep educating in the evening so you keep going that's right yes. yeah we are, i call ourselves an education community because as uh, mayor was saying we have eastern we have punabog valley we have a votech school we have a fire school we have uh we have magnet schools two magnet schools one barrows academy that re won a national award uh for the great job that it's done and also we have the uh the, the arts academy uh just up the street that's run by U east con rather Yes, you know, going back to the Connecticut State College, the OQVC, it's on Main Street. If And if you're interested in attending, every Friday they have a, a program. I spoke with Elkin today. Uh, the man, I, I'm not so sure Elkin's uh, position is, but he says they want to have – you can show up on a Friday, and hopefully by the end of the day you'll be enrolled and ready to go to college. And you can – it's walking on Fridays, and they're really doing the strength uh, boosted to – thing and you know what you say governor and thank you this is all under your leadership community college is free you will leave debt free you will leave i mean i went to community college there's no nothing to be ashamed of it get you started go to eastern it was very inexpensive for for my wife and myself at the time so i could afford it i went to mcc because qvc was in danielson uh but you know really it's uh it does it's there to help people and you will and you shouldn't be afraid of cost if you're looking for something, do you want to you want to be a manager at EB? Go to them, go to uh, a community college, and you you can be a boss someday. And you can go for two years and get a degree. You yeah. can get a, a 24 week certificate and be be working Correct. at EB, then come back in the evening, keep your learning going. There are a That's lot right. of ways to take advantage of it. That's right. Yeah. Right. Huge opportunities. I too am a graduate from Manchester Community College. Yep. I had no idea you were mayor. I was. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then I went to Eastern after that and law school after that. I went that. to Eastern after that, but I didn't get to law school. You know, well, you have a good time. <laughs> I'm on my way to Eastern. They're doing well, aren't they? Yes, they are. Enrollment we, strong? Enrollment strong. Uh, we, of course, uh, look at Eastern. It's a wonderful place, they, and it's great to have the students here. And they help us out uh, locally. They're connected with our community. Uh, and I understand that we're going to have a nursing school there, which is going to be a wonderful thing. And it's so necessary because... After COVID, we realized what a shortage of uh, nurses that we have in, in all over the state. So it's going to be a wonderful thing uh, that the combination with Harvard Health and Eastern Connecticut State University, having that nursing school there is going to be a fabulous thing. It's a whole new world. We it all is. grew up. There were um, too many people looking for too few jobs, and it was a scramble. Yeah. Yes. You know, today yes. there's um, not enough of you out there. We got a lot of jobs, really great jobs. We have a shortage of nurses. We have a shortage of teachers. We have a shortage of EB workers. You know, yeah. we need you. And there's an opportunity to get that uh, degree, that certificate, that diploma, and you got a guaranteed job right here in the great state of Connecticut.
Absolutely. Great place to work, great place to live. As it is. It, it is, is a great it is. And and this is a wonderful community. I'm so glad you love our community, Governor. I just it makes me very yeah. happy. Very, very we happy. We got the wildest parade around. <laughs> we do the water here. What's going on? Well we have the best water in the state. Yeah. Know, we have that. We, we have, have the, a high quality water, yes. We, we do have the we best really, water. Really we do. have a lot of it too after all those those rains. Yeah, we have right. we have one of the biggest watersheds in New England. We do, yes. yes. Everything's all the dams are full of so. <laughs> they have a little twofold. Oh, yeah, a little bit twofold. You look at Arizona where they won't allow anybody to build anything That's anymore because right. they don't have any water. That's right. You know, right. we have water. That's a big plus for us. It's Especially huge. for for Wyndham. So if you know anyone that wants to expand their business, we're always look. We have places that are open and looking for businesses because mm-hmm. we are investing in our community as, as you're investing in our state. Yeah. And uh, it's really it has it's shown what you've done. The, the yes, success it does. of Connecticut. Yeah, we're not. We are. We're. We're not following the leader. We are the leader now under your leadership. So thank you very we much. And we Keep have going, to... Willamette. I love being here, Susan. Thank you, thank you for having oh, me. Thank, thank you so you. much, Governor. Yep. Thank you. It's been wonderful you having you here. Very, very <laughs> great. You. Very good. All right. Uh, stay tuned, and we'll have more from. Let's talk about it after these messages. Welcome back, everyone. This is Susan Johnson, and uh, we had just finished with a wonderful guest, our governor, uh, Ned Lamont, who was here in town uh, announcing a great a great uh, thing in terms of our legislation that we've passed and he signed into law, and that is to have the minimum wage go up. And this is the first time that we've had a minimum wage that's been indexed, and it's going to be a great thing for people uh, to be able to afford their homes and buy more food take care of their little ones. This is a great, great thing. So I'm very, very thrilled. And now uh, to follow up with uh, uh, Governor Lamont, we have our Lieutenant Governor, Susan Bisowitz, who is also here on Monday and has been a wonderful supporter of the things that we need to do here in Wyndham. So I'm so happy to have you here on the show. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor Bisowitz. Well, thank you so much for having me back again on your show, and the governor and I were very pleased to come to Wyndham to announce that on January 1st, because I think we should let people know the date, because for those uh, people out there who make the minimum wage of $15 an hour right now, um, they want to know when they're going to see the $15.69 hit their paychecks, um, and that's going to be come January 1st, 2024. That's when the additional $0.69 will be added January 1st, 2024. It's a great thing. It adds a little extra cash, and I just want to say how happy I am that we were able to get that legislation through and how happy I am that this is this is going to be in addition to some other wonderful pieces of legislation that have been passed uh, during this last uh, cycle, uh, which also includes the uh, earned income tax credit that's been increased slightly. And I just want to say, preface this with the fact that the last time I checked, the earned income tax credit brought $4 million back to the town, to the local communities here in Wyndham, to the businesses here, because that gives the low-income population a chance to fix their cars, buy more food, pay their rent. So this is uh, this is something that's really important, too. That's, that's a big deal, and we increased um, in the budget and tax package that we passed in June 
uh, an increase in the earned income tax credit from 30.5% to 40%. So you're right, it's going to make a very big difference for families and certainly for families in Wyndham. And the other thing I think it's important to point out is prior to our increasing the minimum wage gradually over the period of over a period of years to get it to the $15 that it is today um, and to the $15.69 that it will be in 2024, it was a fight, and it's been a fight in the past. And for a long time, the minimum wage was stagnant. And what's wonderful about the law that we passed in 2019, I know you and Senator Flexer voted for it, um, what's nice is, Every year on October 15th, there will be an announcement that will increase the minimum wage. Um, So the one that we just had uh, is tied to employment cost index, and the increase was 4.6%. So moving forward, instead of having to wait for years to have the legislature increase the minimum wage, there's, in essence, an automatic annual cost-of-living adjustment, if you will, for families. And it's it's a really big deal, especially now when there's inflation and there's been supply chain issues and so many families are, are struggling. Absolutely. This is something that's so important, and it's something I've always thought that we should have, and that is an indexed minimum wage. This should also happen on the federal level, but we won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> we, well, we we can we can you and I mm-hmm. in our in our jobs can make change, and this is you know you mentioned what it means for uh, the earned income tax credit increase means for Wyndham. Well, raising the minimum wage affects 10% of our state's workforce, 163,000 people. That's a lot uh, of people. That's a huge... It's a lot of people, and it's estimated that 61% of the people who make minimum wage are women, and 49% are people of color. So this is really important for families, especially the ones that are headed by by women, and there are a lot of families where the female is the major breadwinner and the and that and that female is a minimum wage worker. So this is this is a really a really big deal for for our state. I'm really glad you pointed out the fact that this really will help uh, female-headed households and people of color, because this is something that I think um, gets doesn't get the the recognition that people are working in these jobs for the minimum wage, and the work is very difficult. If you've ever been working in a restaurant or working uh, as a retail person or Working in gotta any... be on your feet all day. Yes. Often there are you know, lines of people. That's right. This is this is work that adult workers do. It's hard work. A lot of people think it's teenagers who have these jobs, but it's not. 
it's it's adults. And here's a, another way to look at it. Yes, it's, there's a lot of women and a lot of people of color who are minimum wage workers. Um, the Center for American Progress estimates that 114,000 children in our state live in households where one worker is making $15 an hour. So that's a lot of children living in a minimum wage uh, family household. And if you think about it right now in our public schools across the state, there are 500,000 children. So one in five of our kids who are in our public schools are in families where there's a minimum wage worker. So this is a very impactful change to go from $15 to $15.69. It truly is. Every single cent when you're at that level of income makes a huge difference. And uh, it's just a really uh, necessary thing that we're doing. It's, it shows progress in our society. It shows recognition for all the people in the state of Connecticut. And that's why I am so pleased because I think that that is a huge help to a community like Wyndham where we have lots and lots of, of people who are minimum wage workers and we have a lot of our, our we have so many low income people in our school system that uh, it would cost too much money to figure out who would actually have to pay for the lunch so the whole school gets the free lunch so absolutely absolutely and we talked about the earned income tax credit increase from 30.5% to 40% but i think we should also talk about the tax relief that uh, we will see as a result of the tax package uh, that we passed because, again, this tax cut uh, is the biggest income tax cut that we've seen in our state since the income tax was uh, adopted in 1990. And uh, the people who are at the 3% rate will be lowered to 2%, and those that were at the 5% rate are going to go down to 4.5%. So the benefits are going to be capped at those single filers for $150,000 and for joint filers that make up to $300,000. So this is a tax cut that is going to impact um, working families, middle-class families. So 60% of all of our taxpayers, or 1.1 million tax filers, are going to get a tax cut. Um, so I think we had a really, really great um, tax package, and, and we appreciate your support, Representative Johnson. We appreciate Senator Flexer's support of that tax cut. Thank you so much for that, and uh, we appreciate all the hard work that your executive branch is doing to analyze our state, to see where the best, where, where these things will go, and uh, how to make sure everybody benefits from this. Uh, instead of a few people, everybody is getting a little something, and that is absolutely fabulous. Very, very good. Well, we, our, our goal was to try to make uh, Connecticut more affordable uh, and you know we've one of the ways we did that was to provide the 
earned income tax credit and also to provide the income tax cut. Um, but we should also, because I think you were raising issues of child poverty, and um, I think another really exciting thing is baby bonds. Yes, uh, that's which, wonderful. Yeah, so it means that um, our uh, babies born to low-income families are going to have um, $3,000 deposited in, into an account in their name so that when they become 18, they will be able to use the money that accrues. And so that could be more than 20 dollars for job training, for education, to make a down payment on a home. Um, and so that is to put into a retirement account so that is something that is going to also help uplift our families. Absolutely. And that goes for any baby that was uh, where Medicaid paid for the birth of the child. That's, uh, that's where, the, uh, that's where the, the money will be um, put away and, and saved. And that will give children the hope of being able to get something post-secondary uh, high school. So, you know, it's just uh, it's a very excellent thing to have that hope because we know that we are living in a very complicated society today. And if, if people want to be able to, you know, grow a family and, and have a house and that sort of thing, they have to be able to start up with uh, some funds so that they can get whatever it is that they're good at, a certification or a degree, something that will help them move forward so they can start a career, start a way of making a good income. And this baby bonds is the way to move forward. I'm very excited about this because child poverty is a problem all throughout the country, and it's a problem here in Connecticut as well. And so I was very, very happy to support the baby bonds. And I just want to go back to the earned income tax credit for a second because I want to make sure everybody knows that they have to file an income tax because sometimes you're not required to if your income is that low. But nevertheless, when your income is low, if you file for that uh, income tax, uh, and the state and federal level, you will get earned income tax credit money back. And we and have that could be, and that could be seven hundred and fifty to a thousand dollars. That it could be significant. And Susan, you and I have been to Vita sites in Wyndham. Yes. And what's a Vita site? It is volunteer income tax assistance. So. If you're like me and you dread filling out your income tax form, there are fabulous volunteers. Usually they're um, accountants uh, who volunteer their time to help others do this. And you can go to a Vita site. You can uh, make an appointment and talk to uh, a volunteer via Zoom. If you like, or in person, you can, you know, bring your documents with you, and they will uh, do your taxes right then and there. And so, um, you know, I wanted to let everybody know that that um, that uh, you can have free income tax assistance 
um, if you are income limited. So don't assume you've got to pay to go get your EITC. Uh, you just can get assistance with with Vita and remind me the remind folks the location in Wyndham. And so far, it's always been held at the library at Wyndham Heights, and uh, it's been facilitated by the Access Agency and the library at Wyndham Heights. So they always have the uh, accountants and their uh, students from UConn, students from Eastern that major in accounting, uh, working on these, uh, you know, as volunteers. Uh, working on submitting these tax forms, and uh, they have the computers and everything set up so people can go and have that work done. And it's done pretty pretty quickly because most of this uh, is the people are able to do because uh, the IRS and the state has set up uh, the forms, so they're fairly uh, good for you know filling out if you're good at that. And you can get the things submitted and then get that money. So you can have the extra money to be able to buy uh, more food, pay your rent, uh, you know, just take care of some clothes for the kids or fix the car, anything that, you know, comes up that you might not have had that money for. Yep, absolutely. And um, the other thing I want to mention, because um, you are a college town, um, in Wyndham, you're the home of uh, ECSU, and um, you know so many students have college debt. Um, and I want to just let people know that here in Connecticut, uh, we have a debt-free community college program. It's the legislation was called Pledge to Advance CT. And it's available to first-time degree-seeking in-state students who enroll full-time. Um, you have to fill out a FAFSA form in order to participate. And so far, uh, we've had 10,000 students across Connecticut take advantage of debt-free community college. And then once you have that degree, uh, if you want to continue, um, you can go ahead and continue at one of our wonderful state universities, whether it's, you know, ECSU, whether it's UConn or somewhere else. Uh, but I think that's another great thing that uh, the legislature and the governor have done for families in our state. I'm so excited about the Debt-Free Community College. It's a wonderful program, and it's giving people the chance to start. And, and you can always, uh, once you get that job that pays the income that you need to, you know, have your place and, and make your way, uh, you know, you can always go to school part-time and, and get the next degree and the degree after that. So once That's you... That's right, and yeah. a lot of employers um, are now... Um, you know, trying to attract people by saying, hey, we'll pay for you to finish your uh, education. So uh, that is something to keep in mind. Absolutely, because again, we have a very complicated society. We have technology, we have all, we have to be, I uh, used to be where, uh, 
nurses' aides didn't have to have a license. Now they now they have to have some type of a certification. I mean, no matter where you look, you have to have some kind of training before you're able to go into any job, uh, pretty much. And so this is a this is a way to get a good uh, start in in your life. And uh, that I will bring also the fact that I'm very uh, very very pleased with uh, the administration uh, for expanding the temporary assistance for needy families. Uh, this is a program that had a lifetime of 21 months, which was the second worst in the country. But, but now we are at 36 months and also allowing uh, people to get uh, some training and have that count as employment. Uh, and so that uh, families uh, can actually get a, get a step up and not have to worry about what's going to happen next. And also we fixed the cliff uh, the benefit cliffs and those kinds of things uh, in this program. So if people do make a little bit more than what the, the federal poverty level is, at, was at 55%, and I think it's going to be indexed now, uh, that they will be able to stay on for six months and, and figure out how to you know, get their bearings uh, without any more assistance. So this is a program that I... The federal government allows 60 months, and I hope at some point in time we get to the 60 months, but I'm very thrilled that we got to the 36 months and that we're going to be able to have uh, women. This is going to, I think, have a mitigating effect on the, on the increase in homelessness so people can stay in their places and they don't have to worry about uh, being run off uh, in 21 months. So and I'm very, very pleased you. with that. Thank you, State Representative Susan Johnson, for... Um, spearheading that important effort because this uh, the TAMP program is designed to take people who may be financially insecure to a place where they have financial stability because with this additional support, they've been able to complete a job training program uh, they are able to pay for child care uh, while they're finishing their education or their job training. And this is something that is just so important because often people who are in the process of going through job training, um, they need transportation, they need child care, they need um they need housing, and so um, what we have tried to do in our state to support workforce development is to put these kinds of supports in place while people are going through some of the many um, manufacturing programs or health care programs that our Governor's Workforce Council has put into place. We've, we've partnered with some of our state's biggest employers to uh, try to make sure that we have a pipeline of people ready to take 77,000 jobs that are open today as we speak. Um, and some of those jobs require training. And so we want to make sure um, we are doing things um, like providing child care, like providing additional financial support while people are doing that kind of training and personal development to get themselves to a place of fiscal uh, stability. 
it's so very important, and it uh, will limit the trauma that the little ones go through when they become homeless because uh, we know for a fact that if we have little homeless children in the school system, they're, they're pretty much focused on the fact that they're homeless, and it's hard for them to learn. So it really creates a problem there. And uh, they end up being maybe special needs, special ed students because of the trauma that they suffered from the homelessness. So it's, uh, it's going to stop a lot of that. Uh, we're going to end some of these traumas that the kids are going through and uh, make sure that we have uh, good support for families and being a family-friendly state as, we, as your administration and, and our legislature has really wanted to be very family-friendly. And that is what this uh, change does. It makes it so that we're going to have, fill those jobs. We're going to have people who are, have that training and they're going to be able to have kids that are going to be happier. Absolutely, and I'll tell you that um, since you uh, brought up uh, our state being family-friendly and uh, we are consistently one of the states that is recognized as being one of the best states uh, for women and families because of our um, $15 an hour minimum wage, because of our paid family medical leave program, because of the community college, debt-free community college program, we've really been able to uplift women and families. These are all fabulous things, and these are things that help businesses. These are the things that businesses look for when they when they move to a state. They want to make sure they can fill those positions, and uh, we're we're creating the the, the people who are, uh, are looking for jobs and will be able to fill the positions with competence, and it will help them help businesses expand their economies. So this helps us uh, whether it's on the local level because of the property tax base that you need to have, or in the state level, uh, paying for a higher, uh, more income tax uh, so that the programs that we have to take care of the people in the state are funded. And I have to say, I'm absolutely proud, so proud of the way the budget is being addressed because we're paying our paying down our debt and we have a rainy day fund that is uh, never, the state has never seen such a large rainy day fund. So these are things that uh, really give us a better bond rating, which means when we borrow money, uh, the money isn't going to cost us as much. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I can't uh, let this discussion finish without mentioning uh, also that we support women because we support reproductive rights and freedoms in, in our state. And that's also why we have one of the very, we are recognized as being one of the best states for women in our country at a time when there have been a lot of attacks on women's rights. Exactly. This is something that I think that is more and more people are becoming more and more aware about the fact that in this country uh, that we have one of the highest maternal death rates in the world for you know a, a, a civilized uh, country and uh, for people to limit access to abortion which is health care 
uh, is putting women at risk. It's stopping them from having children in the future because of the damage that is done to them physiologically. If they can't have a doctor take care of a medical need when they're in some dangerous health situation through, because of a pregnancy that didn't didn't work out, they're not. Pregnancies aren't just they don't just uh, work out like a machine. Right. Women aren't machines. Right. <laughs> just saying, and to have yes, these laws. For sure. <laughs> so for sure. So to have these laws that limit the doctor's uh, ability to address whatever medical need it is uh, when someone's pregnant or you know delivering a, a baby is just uh, something that is really very, 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 very short-sighted, very, very non-scientific, and uh, it's not it's not a good way to. Uh, to actually uh, run a, a country or a state. So I'm absolutely thrilled with the fact that in this state we have um, wonderful, wonderful people who understand that medical medicine is, is really good science and that we need to be able to make sure that uh, women uh, have that relationship with the doctor, that it's private, that we're not going to interfere between the woman and the doctor in these circumstances because it's... Uh, it's it's really uh, uh, sad in other states, but we are very proud to be in this state where we take care of the women, we take care of the children, we take care of the families. It's very, very, very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to just mention, too, because I know you were here earlier in June, and you had uh, you've done a great job talking about, uh, you know, elder abuse. And I just think it was very important for us to maybe review a few of those things because we know technology is calling us older people uh, regularly, trying to scam us out of our funds. And it's really important for us to be able to uh, talk it up and let people know that we have... Uh, we have yeah. uh, this happening, and it's just uh, another way that we are, we're family-friendly, that we're taking care of our seniors, and we're, we're doing that sort of work to help the elders so that they don't lose yes. their funds. Absolutely. So, um, first of all, uh, elder abuse can be physical abuse, um, restraining, or even physically um, assaulting, yelling, threatening. It could be psychological abuse. Um, and then there is financial abuse uh, because, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, relatives, friends, caregivers um, sometimes abuse our older adults. And so if you are concerned um, about that, if you think you've observed it, if you've been a victim, you think your loved one's been a victim, you should call the Elder Justice Hotline, and that number is 860-808-5555, 860-808-5555, and we were talking about this recently, a couple of months ago, we were at this beautiful new senior center oh, thank you. in Wyndham, um, and we brought uh, Maraid Painter, uh, who is uh, one of the people that protects our uh, elder population 
in the state. And if you call that hotline, there will be uh, an investigation. Um, and oftentimes, since you, you know, I mentioned financial abuse, I just want to put this on people's radar. Um, there are all kinds of unscrupulous people who are calling your cell phone or your landline constantly. And, you know, some of the uh, things that you should keep in mind, never give any kind of financial information, um, whether it's your credit card information, whether it's your um, social security information, your personal information to people that you don't know over the telephone. Um, because, unfortunately, uh, we hear from our attorney general's office that um, elderly people who answer their phone are often scammed. Um, and so this financial abuse, unfortunately, is rampant. So do be aware. And, you know, before you hand over any kind of personal information, um, make sure that you are um, on your guard um, and that you know and always say, you know, gee, I'll have to discuss it with my banker, with my uh, attorney. And again, um, I'll give you the hotline again. This is the Elder Abuse Hotline in Connecticut, 860-808-5555. If you have been a victim of abuse or you have a loved one that you believe has been abused. Thank you so much for that. And I will also, um, this will be a podcast that will be uh, on YouTube as well. So if you go to the, the, the WILI website, you can get this show um, as a podcast. You can also hear it on cable access in a couple of weeks. Every um, Friday evening at 8, we have one of our shows come up on cable access. And I also take the podcast and put it on my state website and blast it. And so I'll make sure... Press Aid will help me out with uh, putting that number in the in the introductory remarks as we put the podcast on my website at the Capitol. So, and uh, so we'll be able to to do that. Any uh, few we have a couple minutes left. Uh, any last uh, words, uh, Susan, Lieutenant just, Governor Bice? Uh, I just want to say um, thank you so much for having me on your show, and it's a great honor to. Uh, represent uh, all of the people of Connecticut along with Governor Lamont, and I'm happy to be on your show, Susan, where you had the governor as, as your first act, and I'm the follow-up, so <laughs> thank you for thinking of me. It's nice to be with you again. Well, it's wonderful to have you here on the show, and this is the this has got to be a highly, highly rated show with having the governor and our lieutenant governor, Susan Bicewitz, on. This is a great show, and um, I plan to show it off and on all the time on my website. Uh, very proud to have you here and very honored, and I want to thank you, you and the governor, for your amazing work uh, taking care of everybody in the state. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Let's Talk About It. Uh, stay tuned next week for another great show. This is Susan Johnson, and have a wonderful week, and uh, see you then.